Yeah, well, I'm still on a walk, and that means I got enough time for two podcasts. You know, I can measure this show, I can measure my walks in terms of podcasts. You know, two football fields in length, and two podcasts in duration. You gotta have alternate alternate forms of measurement to counteract the uh, closed-minded monopoly of science and its limited methods of measurement. So we're gonna measure uh, our walk here, my walk, our walk. I mean, there's a lot of birds around me this time of morning. But I'm gonna measure this walk in, uh, in terms of podcasts. So it seems like it's a two-podcast walk. And what I was thinking about just now, the reason why I hit the record button, is I was thinking about, you know, the er- you know, your earliest experiences with certain universal sensations. And in the video game episode recently, I was talking about that early experience, the first time that I remember experiencing, you know, behaving facetiously or what people nowadays call, you know, behaving ironically, pretending to like something that you didn't actually like or you weren't supposed to like. And I talked about that when I played the Barney video game at my neighbor kid's house. How it was this game that was intended for three-year-olds and I was like, you know, a whopping seven. And in playing the Barney game, I was like, this is amazing. And it was just, you know, it was fun. It was funny. And it's the first time that I remember behaving ironically you know, just for the sake of humor or whatever. And I feel like that's a good exercise to think about the first time that you remember experiencing certain sensations or having certain thoughts, even, uh, you know, emotions. It could be anything. Your first, the first memory that you know of. Of course, you may have had earlier memories where you didn't, you know, quite know how to think about it. You didn't quite, your brain wasn't quite as developed. And one that just came to mind is panic. And I'm not somebody who panics a lot. Uh, I don't panic a lot. It's just not something that's that familiar to me. I know the feeling. It's an insane feeling. When you're panicking, man, that's an insane feeling. Of course, I know what it feels like to panic. But it's just a little bit out there for me. It's not something that is readily accessible. (laughs) I can't just panic at will. But I have this experience when I was probably around five, and it was actually at the the Barney kid's house. It was at the same house of the kid who who owned the bar the Barney video game. Maybe they were renting it. Maybe they didn't own it. I got to get these facts straight. They may have been renting the Barney game. But uh, I was over there, and I'd brought a friend of mine I had met in preschool or something to that effect. You know, so the three of us were playing in the yard and, you know, having a great time. It was always a fun house. And underneath their front porch, there was a, a door that opened up. It had a latch, you know, almost like those, those same latches that you'll find on gates. On, you know, or the gate to someone's yard, the gate to their backyard, those metal latches. You only ever see them in that context on gates and things like that or woodsheds. And so it was one of those. And it actually was, it was a woodshed built into their porch. And and they, you had to go up these pretty steep stairs to get to their front door. And so there was basically this little room 
underneath the front steps of their porch and it had a latching door on the side and we used to go in there and play because that house we did a lot of you know larping honestly we used to call it playing guns but we were a bunch of little larpers we would run around the whole we'd go hide in that little woodshed underneath the porch and they did have stacks of wood in there they did have a bunch of wood in there i think it was like unused materials from when they built their house or something not actual logs to be burned but again i'm getting into the deta- unnecessary details um so we were playing this friend that i brought over and the neighbor kid and we went in there the thing about that latch door though the way that it latched is you could easily open it from the outside but if it closed on you when you were in there you were stuck and that had never happened to us before and it did it happened this time that old adds a whole new dimension to larping by the way when you're playing around you go in some weird little room underneath a porch and you get locked in there it's when larping becomes real all of a sudden uh, you're in an escape room as they call them now so we had no way of getting out you know my friend's mom was inside nobody else was around and it's not like we were going to suffocate. You know, it was airy. The room breathed pretty nicely. Uh, and uh, so we went in there. We were stuck, though. And immediately, it was weird. It was like, a, you know, a switch got flipped. The two other kids just freaked. You know, just talking about, you know, your first experience with someone panicking. Just losing their shit is another way of putting it. And they just started banging on the door and screaming. And the friend that I brought over, he was even screaming for his uncle Mike, who lived nowhere near us. He was not his you know, parent or guardian. He was not his uncle daddy, he was just his uncle. And he uh, was just, he was screaming for every name he could think of, every adult. You know, just, uh, <laughs> it'd be an amazing coincidence if you know, his uncle happened to randomly be in that neighborhood when we got locked in this, you know, porch woodshed thing. That would have been an amazing phenomena. And I'd be talking about that instead of panic. I'd be like, this kid just had this psychic ability. He knew his uncle was just walking down the street at that exact time. Uh, But no, these kids just freaked out. And, you know, I managed to stay cool. I managed to just keep, keep it cool. I don't know how or why, but I just... You know, I remember just feeling it was also an it wasn't just an early experience with seeing people just panic and just lose themselves in this panic. It was also an early experience of detachment where I I felt suddenly detached from the situation and like I was not a part of what was going on and that I was just observing something. And I guess I was, you know, I was just watching my two friends who didn't know each other before that day, which is weird too to think that they didn't even know each other before I brought that friend over to the house, to the neighbor's house. But they both just in sync snapped into this panic and screamed, they were screaming and pounding on the door. Uh, you know, it's, it's like if you put your cat in a carrier to take him to the vet or something, you know, just losing themselves. And, and, yeah, it was an early experience with feeling kind of alien and detached, where I was like, 
you know, I didn't get too introspective about it because you really don't at that age. Uh, but I, I just remember the feeling of like not being part of what was going on. And this might sound really self-congratulatory, like, oh, you know, I was so cool. I played it so cool even as a kid. I didn't panic when I was locked in the woodshed. You know, I didn't panic. And this isn't going to be that. This isn't very self-congratulatory at all. Uh, it might sound that way. It might sound like I'm patting my five-year-old self on the back. But it wasn't like my cool head got us out of the situation. Because what actually got us out of the situation was that my friend's mom, who was in the house, heard them screaming. She heard my friends screaming and hollering. Maybe she heard a, ch a kid yelling, Uncle Mike! And she was like, what the fuck? Who's screaming for their Uncle Mike? Maybe it was the Uncle Mike that didn't attract the uncle to come save us, but nonetheless was the, the warning signal that was heard. I don't know. The distress signal that was heard. Uh, so it wasn't my cool head that got us out of the situation, you know, so this isn't me being like all oh, my friends panicked and I didn't and and I I figured a way out of the woodshed It's not that at all the, the it, them panicking is actually what got us saved And I think we would have been found eventually and it's not like we would have died in there You know, it's not like uh, there was no air. It's not like there was anything dangerous about it it would have sucked to be stuck in that woodshed for longer. And I think we were only in there for a matter of minutes. I think it was it, it was only a matter of like five minutes maybe. But because they were screaming and hollering and panicking, they actually got us saved by the mom. Saved by the mom. Uh, and so in that way, you know, you can see where panicking will sometimes get you what you need, you know. Panicking can sometimes save your ass. Even though it's something that doesn't come entirely naturally to me, uh, you know, screaming and hollering and flipping your shit can actually help you out, but not always, and everybody will tell you this. Uh, I had an experience, too, with panic. It's about a month ago, I was at a casino with somebody, and if you don't go to casinos, what's wrong with you? Casinos are... I only started going in the last uh, few months. A, a, a friend took me... And I don't have much money to gamble right now, which is all the better, because I have some restraint, but casinos to me are like temples. And there's a guy, I was listening to a, a, an interview with a guy not that long ago, who teaches psychokinesis in Las Vegas casinos. And as he said, as he described it, he's like, Las Vegas is the world's largest laboratory you know, for psychic studies, for anything like that. And even if you want to get away from, like, the woo aspect, even if you want to get away from, you know, the sort of, the loaded supernatural aspect of it, you know, just at the very least, the level of focus and obsession and, you know, the ups and downs of people there, like, you know, the different things that people are, the different, like, shifts in, in you know, someone wins and they loses, then they... And, and the amount of superstition as well. That's another thing. It's not just... It, people are incredibly focused on these singular activities of so-called chance. But they have all these little superstitions. And even otherwise non-superstitious, quote-unquote, pragmatic, practical people will do little superstitious things when it comes to gambling. Just in case. There's a lot of just in case 
when it comes to gambling, casinos, anything of that nature. Which is interesting, you know? It's, it's just interesting that people do have a part of them that goes, you know, I don't believe in this shit, but just in case, I'm gonna go change my shirt. And this guy who, do, who you know, he studies psychokinesis at casinos, he, he was talking about that, how he does that. He'll change his shirt. I like that. Uh, but, you know, in the same way that he described Las Vegas as the world's largest laboratory for psychic studies, to me, a casino just feels like a temple. I haven't been to them a lot. You know, it's not like I'm talking about I go to casinos all the time. But when I have gone, I feel like I'm entering a temple. And uh, they're very disorienting. They're very, you know, they're, they're designed to be disorienting. And they're, of course, dark. And the names of the games, like, I've only ever played the slots. I haven't, I haven't played any poker or craps or anything like that. I've only done the slots. That's all I'm interested in. I'm into the slots. Uh, and, uh... But the, the names of the slot machines are incredible. You know, they're all mildly offensive. Indian princess, but they're very creative. And they cross, you know, many different ethnic and historic lines. But I, I love the names of all of the... of all the slot machines. I highly recommend going, even just to look at those. The artwork, the names, they get very creative. But... You know, talking about how the casino is very disorienting, how it's a, a disorienting temple. It's almost like some Egyptian pyramid with, you know, mazes and hallways and all sorts of things. Uh, no hallways, really. There's no mazes or hallways, but it just it's designed in such a way where you know it's designed to be disoriented. And even if you make an attempt to orient yourself, if you sit at a slot machine for long enough, which like two minutes really like and you just focus on it if you were just focused on that experience of playing the slots and you stand up I don't care what your sense of directions like I don't care how sharp you are you're gonna not really know where you are and the fact that they're able to do that so effectively is pretty impressive but it plays into what I'm gonna talk about which is panic I was at the casino about a month ago with someone and they said uh, to me, I don't know where my phone is. And they had obviously set it down at one of the slot machines. And they suddenly just lost their shit and just like went you know, immediately to a security guard. They were looking in all the wrong places. And meanwhile, I just, you know, was like, I, I looked immediately behind us and I couldn't remember the exact slot machines we had been at or any of that, but I looked immediately behind us, and sure enough, the phone was just sitting on the slot machine, like, literally two feet behind me. But because this person panicked, they ended up going to the, the opposite corner of the entire building, walking around in circles. I had to follow, I had to track them down and find them. It was harder to find this person panicking and desperately searching for their phone in every corner of the building than it was to find the actual, you know, phone sitting on the slot. 
you know, it was much easier to actually find the phone than it was the person searching for the phone, which is, you know, the irony of it. Um, but it was just, it was weird to see because, you know, I was just focused on, on gambling. I was just focused on the slot machines and to like see somebody else just lose their shit inside of a place that's already so disorienting and you add in the disorientation of like what what happens to your brain when you panic and it, it was it was just weird it was it was weird to see that you know and this isn't a criticism or anything like that it's just it's just it was just simply a strange experience but you can see where like where what i'm getting at is like you know it's not that panic is inherently bad because there are obviously situations where panicking will actually be the thing that saves you panicking is the thing that gets your mom to come look in the woodshed and get you out but it's also something depending on the context where you know it can also cause you to go to the complete opposite end from where you need to be and make the situation that much more complicated and fucked up. But it's strange to think about, you know, those early experiences with it where you don't even know what that is yet. Even though it's this universal sensation, this universal experience that everybody has at some point, you know, everybody's going to panic, everybody's going to see someone panic. When you're a little kid to see that, even though there's something natural about it, it's not like, you know, it's not like you're hallucinating or seeing some an alien land but so so it's not like there is something like that you understand about it you understand why it's happening but when you see that for the first time or see it early on your first known memory of it it's just kind of like well what the fuck is happening what the fuck is this person doing and uh i don't know i want to talk more about casinos although i don't have too much to say but yeah, they, they really do feel like a temple. And I would say, if you if you can uh, if you can put forward the restraint, if you can just go in and limit yourself, like take in a twenty dollar bill. If you can afford to just say, hey, this is twenty dollars of entertainment, and pace yourself. I think pacing yourself is important because you can throw that twenty dollars away in twenty seconds. If you don't pace yourself, you know, walk around, choose your machines very thoughtfully. And this is where it gets fun because you can go in and like I said, the names of the machines, they're like vaguely offensive, you know, in the context of our current stupid culture war. You know, they're not offensive truly, but they're just, they're kind of, uh, it's not unlike reading like, like an old book, an old adventure book where they go to some you know, Pacific Island, you know, it's, it's not unlike like Mutiny on the Bounty or Heart of Darkness or something like that, where there's a sense of adventure and they go to some colony. And, and of course, the way, the, of course, the way they talk about, you know, the, the locals on the island in those kind of books is going to rub some, you know, modern, you know, easily offended person the wrong way. But so in that way, like casino slot machines do have this mildly offensive component, but it's like, they're fun. You know, the artwork is fun. They cover all the bases. Ancient Europe, ancient Mexico. You know, you're going to have some machines that reference the Aztecs, Indian princesses, 
lizards, geckos, cats, cougars. It's all kinds of animals. There's, there's an owl game. The one that I really like, though, it's called Yardbirds, and it has a little fox. And the reason I like it so much is uh, there's a bonus round where you can just collect. I don't, I don't know why the bonus round is so easy. It's not a slot bonus round. It's like a matching one where you uh, have... I'm not sure what triggers it. Like I, like I said, you know, I haven't been there that much. But I gravitate toward this machine because the bonus round, whatever triggers it, I don't know. It doesn't happen every time. It has a bunch of cards and you're looking at the back of the card. And you have to like flip them over and match them up. And if you match enough of them or you match them in such a way that they create a certain pattern, you just rake in the money, man. And it feels good. You just see that thing rolling. You, you see that... I don't know if you call it an odometer. I know in a car it would be called the odometer. I don't, I don't know if slot machines and cars share the same terminology. But let's just say you see those numbers rolling, baby. And you start wanting to talk like that. Because the thing about casinos is they're not just temples. But uh, there's a certain lexicon, there's a certain language that starts to come naturally. And you, you want to start ending your sentences with baby. Baby. Just watching those numbers roll, baby. And, uh, you know, baby becomes almost like a form of punctuation when you're in a, in a casino. When you're watching those numbers roll, baby becomes punctuation at the end of every sentence, baby. Every sentence, baby. Uh, and I don't know, I, it's, it's a completely different experience, but like, I think the weird thing about casinos is even though for me it's a very magical experience where I feel, I can feel the trance, I can, I'm, I'm very aware of the disorientation that's going on, but I think the disturbing thing, the depressing, I don't, I don't know if it's disturbing and depressing, I don't, I think it could be, you could definitely see it that way. But it's like how casual people are who are there. Like the people who seem truly comfortable there, who spend a little bit too much time there, it's, they're a little too casual. Like the magic is worn off and you, I want to be like, you know, it's totally, I'm not judging you for hanging out here. If I had the money, I'd do it. I'd be here a lot more if I had the money to burn. Uh, I, I'd, I'd be bringing in... Uh, I'd be bringing in a lot of rolls of cash, baby. And I'd be watching those numbers roll all the time. But uh, the, the problem with it, though, is uh, you see these people and they're, they're, they're way too casual about it. And, and I'm, I'm having very difficulty finishing this sentence because a, a jogger just ran by me. This, this woman who's jogging ran by me right now, right as I yelled, watching those numbers roll, baby. And I really, thankfully I'm holding the phone up like kind of near my head, almost like I'm talking on it to a person, but it's also like two inches from my head. So it's like, it's like I can't decide whether I'm talking on speakerphone or whether I'm like talking on the phone. But um, yeah, this woman just ran directly by me on a small sidewalk right as I yelled that. Uh, but that just makes it better because I'm in I'm in casino mindset right now. I'm in as you can tell I'm in casino brain. The magic is on me right now. 
You know, the magic's on my fingertips. It's, it's rolling off my tongue, just like the numbers, baby. Hopefully another... Damn, there is another jogger back there, but it's a dude. I don't know if I want to talk like that around him. Uh, <laughs> but, uh... Anyway, just... You see these people, though, and, like, the magic, what seems like it's kind of worn off, and they're in, like, a different trance. It's almost like a death trance. And those tend to be, like, the senior citizens with oxygen in their nose you know they have those oxygen tanks with them and casinos are, are cool too because it's one of the only places where you can still smoke and i don't smoke but and i don't really like the scent of it but uh it's nice to be in a place where that's still going on you know it's nice to be in a place where people still have that basic freedom and honestly like i feel like uh if you didn't want to wear your seatbelt in a casino parking lot, nobody's going to give you a ticket. You know, if casinos could control the streets, I, I think they'd say, people don't have to wear seatbelts. People can smoke wherever they want, and they can wear seatbelts if they choose, or, or if they choose not to. Because casinos are magical. You know, they understand. <laughs> Casinos understand. And that's sort of the message they want you to, to take with... Uh, that's sort of the message they want to give to you when you go into them. Casinos understand, baby. Casinos understand. You just want to see those numbers roll. Smoke. Don't wear your seatbelt. Gamble. Welcome to the Casino Temple, baby. Welcome to the Casino Temple, where the numbers roll. This land is mine. God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can